Hi, I'm Bryce. Hi, I'm Will. And this is SideQuests. Um, and I also have with me our occasional guest, Maggie, who is almost one year old. Um, I assume that Bryce will do a reasonable job of cutting out some of the noises she makes during the podcast, but probably not all of them. Yeah, last time I deliberately left a few of the noises in. One, because they're kind of adorable. And two, because sometimes we would just talk about how Maggie was there, and so it made more sense if you like heard her when we're reacting to hearing her. That makes sense. That's good good radio thinking. Al- alternatively, I could have just cut it out, but uh, I cut a lot of it out, so it was fine. Um, one of the things about being many, many miles away from each other is that our microphones don't pick each other up. <laughs> so, which, <laughs> there she is. Uh, which makes it reasonable to cut out audio from the other person while one of us is speaking. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty good. We have that to makes ha- sense. Yeah. Also, yeah, you can easier to just to just doctor the whole thing, really. Yeah, I've been trying to do a less good job of doctoring it and making us sound better. Um, you may have noticed if you listen if you listen to some of the older ones, uh, because uh, it's a lot of work to fix up all of our speech. Yeah, it seems uh, like a lot of work. Uh, so I decided to stop. <laughs> and then we can record more because I'm more likely to to do it if it's easier. That's one of those. That's one of those. Can we not? Kind of questions. Yeah. Um. And I decided that I'd rather just keep making them and work on speaking better and more concisely, for which I'm yeah. doing like medium poor. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not sure if it's true, but I like to think that my hour a day of recording myself that in that i am improving some of my talking while recording technique yeah uh it's funny because i've been i haven't been watching all of them uh i didn't listen to very many of them last week i think uh but i do i have been checking in on your your stream there um, and and it's good uh it's also a really different kind of thing because you're there by yourself and you're not trying to make it uh, work with another person. <laughs> um, That's true. You are tr- you are instead trying to always be talking. Um, yeah, and it's funny because oh, it's just a different. It's it's not that different from teaching in many ways because also when you're explaining things when you're teaching, a lot of times you just want to always be talking you, you don't have it, it doesn't make sense to like trail off and get confused when you're in the middle of explaining something to some students um yeah and i'm not saying that you never do that no you uh especially when you're teaching programming because uh programming is hard yeah i mean i'm, I'm not even saying that i don't do that on my stream every time every day but but I try to do it less. I wasn't gonna say anything about it. I would let you opt in or out of <laughs> out of that. Um, yeah, they. Uh, but in programming, you you just come to a point where it doesn't do what you think it should do, and it's because you are thinking wrong about what you did. And yeah, you, and you have to figure out what it is about the situation that's different from your mental model of the situation. Because in your mental model of the situation, everything was working. Yeah, and your mental model of the situation is almost always wrong. 
Yeah. It might not be very wrong, but but it's always like a little bit wrong. Um and sometimes you uh it's it's the thing you have done and some like and sometimes it's like some fundamental characteristic of the programming language. Right. Or, or and sometimes it's it's like, "Oh, I wrote the wrong variable name." Mm -hmm. So I'm changing the wrong variable. And then sometimes it's the idea I had for how to do this will actually never work because of a thing that I didn't think about. Yeah. And so I have painstakingly and correctly implemented the thing in my brain. And that was just never correct. Yeah. It's, it's always too bad when that turns out to be true (laughs) that, that you, it was never going to work to begin with. And then you have to start thinking about like, oh, well, how could I do that? But it, it uh, uh, I don't know. You just sort of get stuck and then have to read, change tack. And when you're doing that alone in your own uh, not being viewed by a live stream audience. The ones of people. <laughs> that's true. Uh, if you're sitting there alone, then uh, that's fine. You can just like take a few minutes and do that and silently ponder. But uh, similarly, when you're like teaching a class full of people, you want to do as little of that as possible. Um, we we are discussing a, a a programming live stream that I have been doing, um, where I am working on a Scratch project, um, and I've been doing it uh, an hour every day, um, just kind of building building a game. Um, and yeah, I've been doing it on Twitch. Uh, it, it is Twitch.tv/slash/built-from-scratch with underscores und- in between the words. Um, Whole attempt to put that into some hmm? show notes oh yeah the show notes that's where people put the links to things um i've heard of that i may i've forget. never visited any show notes in i've never looked at show notes but i every podcast i listen to someone mentions the show notes yeah i am probably going to put the text somewhere but who yeah. knows if i will really actually uh remember to do that um but it's been you've been building uh, on the same project every day, right? Every day. Yeah. From so noon. we're I'm making a making a space game. Um, like you know, it's one of the classic one of the classic. I want to make a game genres. Um, is the space game, uh, where you have a starship and can go places. It's it's interesting. Space games. Uh, so we've made a number of them uh, together, mostly in the context of game jams. Um, but they're they're surprisingly easy to implement certain things uh in them as opposed to say like um mostly because space is so very empty uh as opposed to a platformer where you have to keep interacting with this ground thing over and over again or uh, right and enemies that are and and not only is space empty but things move in space without really moving very much like Mm. you don't need to animate very much to make a starship move forward um yeah so so it's a it's actually a pretty good idea for a first project if you're like man i want to make a a game what should i do i'm debating between a platformer and a space shooter the space shooter is gonna be easier to to implement yeah because you basically anytime you don't have to worry about whether you fall through the ground or how far you can go into the ground before you stop it's gonna be easier for your first project yeah it's also um also like top down move up down left right like zelda style are like easier than platformers yeah um it's it's worth considering when um and it's always it's one of those interesting uh things that you don't really think about is like what kinds of basic projects are going to be easier to implement than others 
uh, and we th- think about this a bunch while doing game jams because you're like, I only have a weekend, so we're going to do an easier one. Um, but also for just beginner projects. Uh, right. Yeah. And of course we both, you know, have taught and, you know, work in a teaching, programming, ancillary field. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. Th- so like, yeah, thinking about what, what's easier to get somebody going is you know it's well, worth considering and you think about the like things like i don't know when you think i'm gonna make a simple game mm. i think the very first thing most people think about is super mario brothers yeah. because it is so iconic uh, I, but it's I do. not the simplest game <laughs> no um and it's funny because there's quite a lot of video game uh, video games being made before Mario Brothers. Right. And and indeed, you know, the the physics of jumping on platforms was presumably uh, interesting enough when it was made that Mario was originally called Jumpman. Right? The the act of jumping was interesting enough to name the character after. Right. And and it's really funny because when he showed up in Donkey Kong, like jumping was not like it was a way of getting not hit by barrels. Not a way of getting to different places. Yeah, um, and, and it's and it's a single it's a single jump, right? It's like a single button press, and it triggers mm-hmm. a a single scripted, probably not parabolic up and down motion. Yeah, it might be relatively parabolic, but only you can only go straight up and down. Um, you might be able to be moving. I can't remember. I, th- I think you have two jumps. I think you have a straight up and down jump and a right. moving jump. But yeah. Um, it's hard to remember. It's been a while since I've I've played. Donkey Kong's just not that fun. <laughs> so, well, I haven't played that much of it. Atari games are really funny because they, uh, most of them involve like really only doing one thing, and sometimes you know they change the color of all the things around you while you're doing that one thing. Um, with the exception of Crawl, the best game for the Atari, uh, because it has like, which I think we've talked about a little bit before, because you can. Uh, it has like different segments of the game where you are like riding a horse and then you're jumping on a spider web and then you're playing right. breakout. Um, but like that was really rare. Most of those games are like, no, 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 there's you go to the side and jump over things and that's it. There's no like other kind of level. I'm talking about pitfall here. Um, but or like Qbert, you're like all the levels are the same, but they might have like more of the same enemy or fewer of the same enemy. Um, yeah, yeah, and the, like, well, and there's the there's the uh, arcade lineage where you know levels are these single screen things, and, and in, in a lot of uh, Atari games, I mean, not all of them, but mm-hmm. I actually recommend looking at Atari games to emulate when trying to make your first game or develop you you know if you're if you want to like have a project that you can do very simply and easily either because you're just starting out or because you only have a weekend or you want to make something and then adapt it later to be more complicated like looking at the whole back category of atari games will make it easier to do all those things than looking at nintendo games which at that point are relatively complicated and sophisticated yeah yeah, so I was thinking with the space game, um, I don't, I have like a bunch of different design vague notions in my head, um, but there's also the the constraint of wanting to be able to do something that is interesting to watch in the hour mm. means that I don't want to spend a lot of time in the hour 
thinking about what the design is. Mm. But then a lot of times I don't really think about it between one day <laughs> and the next. And then it's like 10 minutes before and I'm like, oh crap, what am I going to do? Um, mm. And, you know, and as long as you're are working on the same problem, you work on the same problem for a while mm-hmm. or the same like basic feature, but then you finish it and you're like, okay, I should do something now. Yeah. I don't know. But I think I'm just going to add Lunar Lander for when you land on planets. Ooh. And then maybe add asteroids for when you're like flying through, you know, some asteroid belt in the solar system. Nice. And then maybe try to find other Atari games just to, to turn into mini games. Yeah. And and it's funny because we have run workshops together in the past where very similarly, we hadn't really thought about what we were going to do until we were like on the car, in the car on the way there. So, so your story checks out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in a lot of ways, uh, that's fine because, and like this is something that they recommend in game jams, is the more time you spend planning, that you're just going to grow your scope really big and you're not going to actually be able to implement all of the things that you plan uh, anyway. So right. spending 10 minutes planning can get you a whole hour worth of work. Because uh, you can come up with a lot of features in 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can't necessarily come up with exactly how you want to implement them. And that's that's the trick for the stream. But I also, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's trying to decide how how to showcase the thought process mm-hmm. without it being boring. Yeah. Is It's like, I would say it's an interesting problem that I'm thinking about. But I think it would be a stretch to say I was thinking about it. <laughs> I, would, I, w- I would say I'm exploring it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, the other, one of the other things that's really useful that you can do is, like, just jump to another feature yeah, and be like, by the way, uh, we're, this doesn't really work as intended. But since I have this other part of the code that I could be working on, let's just work on the Lunar Lander because Asteroids sure isn't working the way I intended. Right. Realistically, yep. it's going to be the other way around, though. Yeah. For all the things we mentioned earlier. Yeah, I have a one reason I haven't approached asteroid yet is because I want to well, I wanted to procedurally generate the ground and then try and figure out how to do that in mm. scratch. Maybe probably use a pen and draw stuff, but it it just started to seem confusing when I started to think about it. Um Yeah, you could um tiles. Yeah, I mean, you could have vertical slices of planet. Yeah. And and you you know, you just have like eight of them. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, and they could yeah, you could make those and and then add them, combine them in various ways and mm-hmm. have some have some data structure that tells you which ones can be adjacent to each other. Oh, sure. Yeah, you to be more complicated or you could have them all have to be at the same, you know, realistically you're looking at the bottom half of the screen only for planet. Uh, for yeah. the most part and you just have them all go to the bottom touch the bottom quarter of the screen uh yeah. at the same point so that they always line up yeah game design <laughs> done <laughs> um but yeah so so like there's a lot of funny tricks like that i i really highly recommend um looking through some of the like post-mortems for really old games like gd there's a, a number of them of talks from old gdc's the game developers conference that you can find on YouTube. Like the postmortem for pitfall is fascinating. Uh, and I highly recommend that you watch that, that talk. Um, just cause like there's all these really uh, intense technical constraints that they had. Um, and so you can find out like, Oh, well we didn't really know how to make an infinite world. So we did this thing. So that it feels infinite, and really, there's only twelve things, um, and so that that's always 
pretty cool um like they did it's it's pretty clever how they did a lot of things in especially on the atari in which there was like almost no processing power it's crazy yeah yeah i don't think i've yeah i haven't watched that one you've told me about it but i should watch it yeah it's not um what's that thing called it's a way of generating infinite worlds minecraft uses it procedural generation perlin noise perlin noise is part of that yes yeah it it doesn't quite use perlin noise to do it but it's like a one-dimensional uh, perlish noise perlish noise yeah where like they just everybody in who plays pitfall is using the same thing that's why it feels infinite like you can go um uh keep going for like hundreds of screens and it'll give you something interesting um and that and like the above ground and the below ground are um sim are like on different cycles so that it can you know they line up differently it's it's really cool um anyway uh it's a good talk i should watch it again too <laughs> i i think I, I can't remember if i read it or heard it um recently but it was about breakout i think it was about breakout um and i, I th- apparently this i mean i i don't know this as a fact so i'm repeating uh, an un, an untested assertion but my what I heard was that the paddle for Breakout was initially programmed. So you, you know how in Breakout the ball, the angle that the ball bounces off of at has to do with where on the paddle it hits. So if you hit with the corner of the paddle, it goes off at a shallower angle. Yes. Um, and apparently that was initially programmed in a continuous way, hmm. so that the angle could be any angle between you know the minimum and the maximum, huh. and the middle was. But then that was too hard to play because it was too unpredictable to know what your ball was going to do. Hmm. Um, Because I was just having having very small variations in an angle on an initial reflection, like can very much change what happens at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then they instead chunked the paddle into five five zones. Okay. Um, to to just have five different ball bounce angle spots. Yeah, that that seems about right. Um, I I never really tested i always sort of assumed it was continuous and it's possible it's different in different versions of breakout because right yeah this is i think about the you know one of the originals but yeah yeah um it's always it's also always funny there's certain games like asteroids um and breakout that are there's so many different versions of like (laughs) Like if you were playing in the days of Flash, you would be there'd be like this basically canonical version of it that was like the one that everyone played, or um, you know if you were playing the version of it on the I don't know NES or somebody released right. a some Xbox Live Arcade version, then you'll have all these different versions that are like essentially all the same game, um, but then right, but like you know. like Tetris for the Game Boy is the definitive Tetris. Right, um, but there's you know right. It was a PC game before that, and yeah. it was uh, you know probably an arcade cabinet. I don't know. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So so depending on what era you were playing the game in, you might have a different definitive version. Um, I would like to take a break. Oh okay. Um, well then we'll see you in a minute. I mean it'll be way less than a minute by the time we come back. And we're back. <laughs> yeah, nice little break. Now we're back. Uh, last week, we promised a topic, and yeah. I, because I've been wanting to talk about it for a while, which is I want to talk about the game Death Stranding, which yes, but but this is this is secretly a lie. I really want to talk about the Postman. All right, but but talk about Death Stranding a little bit. So it's the yes. it's the new Hideo Kojima game. Who, who is famous for Metal Gear Solid? Yeah, I believe that is true. Okay. Um, he he had a split with Konami, I believe. 
was working for Konami to make all the Metal Gear Solid games, and then I was vaguely aware that he left his employee with Konami, and this is, like, the thing that he did afterwards. And so he makes big, kind of bombastic, self-serious, uh, high-quality, um, mm-hmm. those are all, like, negative-sounding terms, but, uh, <laughs> tri- tri- AAA games that, you know, are, are, are big and important, um, yeah, and um, I, I I kept forgetting that while playing, um, but there are certain ways in which you can tell that it's similar to those other games. I haven't really actually played too many Metal Gear Solid games. I think I played the first one, and then I've and, watched people play some of the other ones. And and having just said all of that, that, you know, he makes these, you know, self-serious, big, bombastic, high-budget uh, games... Um, I then my knowing, of course, that the the, the topic at hand is the postman. Um, <laughs> I, it occurs to me that there is another person who who has a, a, a not entirely different reputation. Um, yeah. So uh, okay. So so we'll get to the postman later because really I've just been talking about that with a movie for a very long time. Uh, and the book some a little bit as well. But uh, let's talk about Death Stranding. Um, So so what's the setup? The setup is people uh, are still around in this post-apocalyptic time. Uh, There are settlements here and there uh, throughout the land, um, but they are not connected to each other anymore uh, by various types of communication or uh, goods delivery. Um, And whatever happened to make it be post-apocalyptic has made it very, very difficult for people to travel between settlements. Um, There seem to be a a number of settlements that are pretty well established and fortified and relatively safe. Oh, is, is that the stranding? Is everyone stranded? Oh, that might be true. There's also some... So I, I have not played very much of this game. So so if there's more, I don't know. There's something about a beach. Like, you keep having this vision of a beach with all these, like, whales washed up on it. Um, and this is important, probably. Um, so so uh, if you're worried about spoilers, I have not actually played very much um, of the game. So, so I've only got, like... I don't know, like 15 hours or something, 10 hours, less than 10, probably. Pro- probably something like eight hours total is going to be about where I am. And some of that was uh, not remembering what I was doing because it had been a while and going and into the wrong camp and doing something that wasn't actually the next thing I was supposed to be doing. Um, and then uh, it was more of a diversion than it was like actually progressing in the game. Um, uh, so... So as far as like my story about it, I was, I learned about it because I like this YouTube channel, uh, with called, uh, it's Noah Gervais, uh, I think is how he says it. Uh, Noah Caldwell Gervais. He's, um, he just narrates these very long, pretty well written descriptive, uh, like things about, uh, like whole game series is. He also, uh, lived in a bus for a while. Um, yeah. So usually, I, 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 his channel's so good. Yeah. Um. I I like his channel a lot. Also. And um. So anyway, he did a video about Death Stranding, and he started getting in it. And he was describing what was going on. There's these people 
They live in set isolated settlements, and you spend a lot of what you do, you, um, the main character, is make connections between these settlements. Um, and uh, you do this by uh, build, uh, connecting the... There's like a link. I forget what it's called. The, the chiral link, I think is what it is. Anyway, you, you go in there and you have a magic key that hooks the new it's technology theoretically but whatever you go there and you plug a thing in and suddenly this new out this outpost is now connected to all the other outposts and this means that they can transfer data and in in some ways like supplies i'm not really sure exactly how that works but um things can be transferred or people and communications or whatever between settlements and you're rebuilding the world by connecting them um and when I heard this, I was like, uh, this sounds an awful lot like The Postman. Um, and uh, and and then in the YouTube video, he's like, and this is a lot like The Postman. Uh, and and he goes and says some stuff that I'm about to say in a few minutes, um, but that I already knew uh, about that, that movie and book. Uh, and then I was like, oh, now I, I must play this game uh, because of my uh, mild obsession with The Postman. Right, which is funny. This is a mild obsession that I share, um, and, and that that I developed independently of you, despite you know knowing you for a very long time. Um, <laughs> That's true. I I had forgotten that you knew cared much about it. Um, so, so um, let's get this out out there. The Postman is bad. <laughs> it is a a Kevin Costner film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which I looked up. From 1997. Okay. Um, and it is also a book. So the book came first in 1985 by David Brin. Um, and then it was later adapted into this movie. Um, this And neither the book nor the movie are good. Okay. This is... I'm just... Sorry, David. Yeah. It's... I, and I, I had seen the movie and then many, many years later, I, uh, I read the book. Thinking... So one of the things that... I, I, I like about the postman is that it's it was very inspiring to me to like try to fix it mm-hmm. not so much fix it so I've I've said for many years that if ever I was going to remake a movie I would remake the postman well it's yeah I mean it's it's such a it's it's just a like super compelling charismatic premise um right which is do you want to say it uh why don't you okay you go um Effectively, it's post-apocalyptic land, vaguely post-apocalyptic. It it doesn't really tell you what the problem was at all, uh, but it's it's now after that. Um, and uh, Kevin Costner, I'm just gonna call him Kevin Costner because I can't remember what the character's name actually is. Uh, yep. Is like out and about, and then uh, he's like traveling around, uh, scavenging and. Um, he goes into towns and reenacts movies and plays and things for the people and gets paid a little bit in like a meal or something. And then he goes along. He's a bard. Yeah, he's he's the traveling bard. Yeah. Um, and then he gets to uh, he gets like kidnapped by this group of uh, like or it's basically a gang, like a big old gang of marauders who go in and shake down towns for food and soldiers and and stuff um and then he manages to escape and in his escape he like finds a postal truck and he puts on the uniform and grabs some mail and then like walks into the next town and is like 
hey, I'm from the U.S. post office. I'm here to deliver your mail. And they're like, what? Uh, and so they, he, he like, it's a total con, but they let him in and it works. And he, he's like, I'm going to go to the next town. If you have any letters, I'll carry them. And so then they're like, oh, fine. Uh, yeah, here, we'll send, we'll send you this. We, we appreciated finally getting our letters from before. Take our, take our mail. So he does it and he's running this as a con, but also he's effectively restarting the mail service. Um, and he like adds more people to it and they're mostly kids. It's kind of cheesy with the kids. It's one of the reasons it's bad is how cheesy this movie is. Um, and, and so like he, he like goes about rebuilding this whole network of, of people just by chance and his con sort of pays off and he ends up uh, reuniting civilization and rebuilding it slowly over time. And then there's conflict with those, the marauders from before and right. more things. There's happen. like, a, I don't remember it. A rule is invoked in a climactic fight. Um, yeah. I, I don't, uh, it's, it's not important. Like the, all those details. Cause like so far I've described like a, I don't know. It's, it's got this great theme of like right. communicate. Sorry, I was gonna say um, that, and and indeed, the, it is in the details that the movie fails. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, it is in the setup and the premise and the themes, then the kind of like grandiosity of of that the idea that 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 the movie is wonderful. Um, right. Um, and so, like, that's why I've always been wanting to m- remake this movie because I was like, you could take those same themes and even quite a lot of the same premise, and and like do something much uh much more interesting with the whole thing um or like and and like getting those themes in a way and like one of the problems with the movie in particular is it's it lends a whole lot to like america is the thing that is going to that's the that's the greatness that we're going to rebuild um which is very patriotic but also and very cheesy like like it's and they they always like cut to essentially the west wing theme music and like (laughs) flags floating um and you're and you're just like wow everyone's really into america when like they're trying to like eat (laughs) and not get killed by marauders yeah it's a little bit it's a little bit unbelievable um yeah um but like so so i've i've been wanting to to fix this for a long time oh uh one of the other um problems with it now is the book was written in 85 uh and the movie in 97 where like the internet definitely wasn't a thing that was like as big as it is now in 85 and in 97 i believe that was one of the aol uh disc <laughs> years that you could find AOL yeah 90- it was still i mean there was definitely an internet and there was definitely a lot of people using modems to communicate but it was still pretty niche and and it's pretty easy to imagine a world without the internet still at that point <laughs> right not like everybody wasn't on the internet and it yeah. took like a a special kind of attempt to connect to it and like waiting and patience right. and like there would be you know i don't know i, I there's prob- probably a similar time is like there's a i think there's an episode of buffy where the a demon like escapes from a book into the internet um yeah I feel like I feel like the internet episode um, was like a, a an idea that you might have on your TV show then, um, right? We're like th- or, they have to or, pause and explain what the internet is to the audience, right? Like, oh, I could use my modem to do this. It lets me connect to other computers in the world. <laughs> and, 
Right, or you get, like Julia Stiles. Um. Yeah, <laughs> on Ghostwriter. <laughs> that uh, just just look up Julia Stiles Ghostwriter. Writer W R I T E R. You know, probably worth it. Yeah, you'll you'll find the short clip, and it's it's fantastic. Um, so so the the idea of of taking the same story and setting it now and ignoring the internet is really a a lot harder um like like you you are going to need to address it in some way if you were to make it now make this same story now um and and one of the reasons why death stranding reminds me of this is like essentially you are connecting rebuilding the internet as you're running through these... Right, because you have your magical internet key. Right, um, right. you have your magical internet key, key that connects uh, your city to the other cities. And and I forget why... There's like a, I don't know, a single sentence explanation for what this thing is that I have forgotten. Um, and maybe it's really important. And so <laughs> I will look it up. But you, you have the internet key that turns on the internet... And it, and it like does, it bridges whole, uh, like any distance, but like all of the places that you turn the internet on become hubs. So you can get the inter it's like turning on wifi for mm-hmm. a whole region. So then you can move around in that region. And like, as you walk in and out of wifi, you lose, you like, it like tells you, you're like, Oh, you've left the chiral network. I think it's the chiral network. Um, and so, so you end up, uh, so like you're, you're expanding the, the uh, uh reach chiral like hand c-i-c-h-i-r yeah i'm just gonna keep calling it the wi-fi and (laughs) (laughs) and and we can come back and correct ourselves later (laughs) Um, uh so so yeah you you hook up the internet um and so uh anyway so so like you effectively are the postman running around you're even you uh so first of all you're norman reedus this is not first of all. I said first of all, but this is like the hundredth thing we've said about this game. Um, you're the uh, you play the main character who has the appearance of and is voiced by Norman Reedus, who is an actor. Who I don't I don't know who that is. He was in the Boondock Saints, and he he was one of the brothers in the Boondock Saints, and he I think now is more famously from The Walking Dead. Okay. Um. He's, he's a guy. Um, I haven't seen any of them. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I like the Boondock Saints. Yeah, people like it. I remember people liking it in like the 90s or yeah. the early 2000s. Yeah. A lot, like when it came out. Yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, there's a documentary about it that makes the... Uh, it, it does not put the writer-director of it in a very good light. Um, and that is all I'm going to say about that. Uh, but I, I still enjoy that movie. Yeah. Um, it's violent if you were uh if that's affects your desire to watch things um uh so you are you play as a character that is norman reedus you look exactly like this guy um and you go around and you are uh a delivery person running around the uh the world um you and as a delivery person you are on foot i think in the when you were first introduced you have a motorcycle uh, but you very quickly lose your motorcycle, like in the opening sequence. By the time you, you never actually, I have not controlled a motorcycle. Uh huh. Um. So, but you get the idea that there are vehicles that are part of this job, but I don't have one. Um. And then, 
But the thing is, you walk around and you pick up all these containers and you physically put them on your back. So when you have them, you get bigger. Like, the stack gets bigger. And uh -huh. it gets harder to balance. So quite a lot of the actual gameplay of this game is physically balancing as you walk through the wilderness between cities. So it's like a high-budget quop version of the postman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a little easier to control than quop. Quop is uh, this physics um, walking game by <laughs> Bennett Foddy, um, where what happens is you, uh, with the the key, the Q W O P keys, you control the individual parts of a like physics skeleton body, like you know rig, and it you fall and it's silly. Yeah, uh, it's like what is it? Thighs and calves are the two. Yeah, like... right. Yeah, like and with your say your left and right leg. Um, it's it's unclear what what they actually mean by that, and I think that's part of the joy of it. Also, uh, it's the same person who went on to do um, on uh, that that one where you're the guy in the cauldron and you try to getting over it, getting over it. I think it's with that... Bennett Foddy. What's that? Yes, yes, getting over it with Bennett Foddy. Oh. Um, he has his name in the title. He's the I think it's I, I, as far as I can tell, it's only Sid Meier and Bennett Foddy who have ever put their name in the title of a video game. Um, uh. No, I was just thinking about Tom Clancy, but that's, you know, he does that on his books, and then they turn the books into games, so I don't know if that counts. Right. Uh, yeah. That's all. Yep. I, if I think of somebody else, I'll, I'll try to try to bring it up. Um, uh, so, uh, so you are... I don't so, so what does what it mean talking. to balance? So, so you, like, do you, like, have to control your balance with, like, the left stick and um, move with the right stick? No, no, or... it's, it's the standard twin stick movement look whatever yeah um but your triggers are lean leaning to the uh. side so you're and it, a little thing pops up that's like lean to the right because you're falling over to the left and then you play this like little game as you walk and it's it's harder the if you turn at all and you have like a really big high highly unbalanced load then like you turn then like while if you turn while moving then you start to fall over Mm -hmm. In a way that is logical and, and makes yeah. sense. You're like, right. if oh, you've I... ever gone backpacking. <laughs> yeah. So you turn, yeah, if you turn to the right, then you will fall over to the left. And so you have to lean, pre hold the right trigger to lean to the right to stop falling over to the left. And you do this and you try to very slowly walk between things and you find shipments that people have dropped and then you deliver them. Um, and then also you have like extra gear, like you have an extra pair of boots or you might have an extra pair of boots. And that is like another thing that you have attached to yourself. So you have to try to not lose, mm -hmm. lose all your stuff. Um, also, uh, it's a kind of, I don't know, I'm going to call it magical post-apocalyptic, uh, post-apocalypse. Um, okay. so, uh, when I'm just going to call it magic because I, I haven't yet learned about anything science related that they try to explain um so like when it rains they uh it wherever the water hits or they call it a time fall and where the water hits things age like time passes really fast so uh if so whenever it rains you have to like put up this hood but also it damages and corrodes the mm -hmm. all the stuff you're holding so it gets worse uh, over time so it protects whatever is in it but then it starts taking damage and 
Um, so as you move around, you try to like get um, do it efficiently so you don't lose uh, d- damage all your stuff. Um, and then there's marauders, and then they throw things at you and try to kill you because they want to steal your stuff. Um, and you have to avoid them, but if you run, then you're more likely to fall over. And then that damages the equipment, and also uh, they'll catch up because you've fallen over because you are holding like hundreds of pounds of stuff on your back. Um, so, so there's a lot there. That's like the bulk of the gameplay um, of what you're actually doing. Um, there is some nice like stealth mission type things where you had to like sneak up and you could garrot a, a marauder type person. Who they have a name for what they call them. I'm just gonna call them marauders. Sure. Yeah. Um, um and then like there's a lot of other the other thing is there's like weird ghost monster things that periodically attack you during time falls and like the suddenly there's like black goo everywhere in the regular terrain and monsters grab you and drag you around. And I don't know what all those are for, but they are like why they're there. But and there's invisible creatures that like walk around and you can hold your breath to not get caught by them. There's it sounds it sounds very rich, like a very like there's probably some involved reasoning backstory. Or alternately it sounds kind of like the arbitrary video game logic of like an NES game. Um yeah, I think they're related. Like they are related to the apocalypse. So there's right. um there's apocalypse related challenges and then there's just the human story of surviving the apocalypse related challenges so like and that's sort of just how i've been thinking about it is like oh there's um monsters and then there's the people and they're different and you have different ways of engaging with the monsters versus the people and uh the monsters are mostly invisible you are um somehow special you have a a statistic that is applied (laughs) to you that that means that you are monster perceptive but not all the way monster perceptive um and then and so there's that and then also you have a baby in a a jar attached to your stomach (laughs) okay that that is more (laughs) yeah so like the more you talk about it like at first it seems like oh this is reasonable okay okay post-apocalyptic wasteland and you go from place to place simple right and then you just add a baby in a jar for some reason (laughs) um the baby in the jar is somehow more monster attuned than you are and it knows okay stuff and it's like related to your detecting monster system yep that's uh i i haven't played that much of the game to know what the deal is with with all of this um but while monsters are attacking you there you hear the sound of a baby crying so i I actually would not recommend that you personally play this game right now because you will maybe feel like you need to go into the other room and check on a baby (laughs) right um but maybe in a in like a a year (laughs) something like that it would be worth worth uh worth playing um uh, so, but, um, but one thing that I will say is that like, it is better than the postman and like this game might be the thing that I want there to be that mm. has all of the themes that I want that like the postman has that I would love for the game for, to, I would love to see, I would, I would love for them to have done when making, making that movie or written that book. Well, I mean, and there's like part of what's wonderful about The Postman and, you know, what appeals to me about uh, Death Stranding as well, although I haven't played it, 
is the idea that there, you know, there is this big, grand, bombastic, like, big plot, right? Like, like, mm. the, like you're real important. Big, important things are happening. World-changing things are happening. Um, mm-hmm. But they are different. They're very, they're different kinds of things than the kinds of big world-changing things that normally happen in movies and video games. In particular, they are not like, you know, the violent destruction of the world is imminent and someone needs to get punched. Um, well, that's because they already happened. Right. Uh, but and it, but it couldn't wasn't solved by punching. Um, yeah, you can punch things, but I have only punched people so far. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's uh, not true. You kind of like swat at the monsters when they try to get you. The but there's monsters. There's like you know there you know these days in video games in, in in a way that's pretty wonderful. There's no shortage of games that have like less violent, more human, more personal plots. Um, but a lot of those games also have like a kind of smaller, more personal, more intimate scale where like you're not doing. It doesn't have the like grandiosity of like big 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 budget sci-fi big budget whatever um and there's something that's that's neat about having like not not giving up on on the the bigness on the the grandness of you know like and i like small stories and i like you know little indie games that are about like a person doing a relatively mundane thing i like that stuff but i but i also like you know giant like i don't know like stuff that's not afraid to just like be be you know grand um yeah and i wonder if some of that is just that this is a triple a game yeah and maybe that's where you go for grand stories like that and not and if you want something more intimate you go for to the indie game scene right but but yeah but a lot of but i think it's neat to have a big triple a game that you know feels at least to me like it owes owes a lot to the the like the indie game mecha- me- the mechanical innovation of a lot of indie games right the you know the walking simulator genre and mm. you know the a, a big a game where you your primary verb isn't shoot um yeah that is something that i really like about it like i i played for some hours before i had to use a weapon um and even then it was never like all right now you get your your bfg and you rush into the camp and blow everyone up it was like you got to get the thing that the marauders stole so that we can you i had to get the 3d printer from the marauders <laughs> mailbox <laughs> that's what i had to do um and it involved sneaking into their camp and opening their mailbox and taking the 3d printer out of it uh <laughs> <laughs> it was not called a 3d printer but that's what it, it was like the something um and so i had to um and like in order to do that i could sneak up on one of the guards and garrot them and then get out of there before the other guards discovered me um and that was like one of the missions and this was the first indication that there was gonna be any kind of weapon use um yeah oh i i think now that now that you tell that story um, part of what I'm thinking about is kind of comes a little bit more into focus. Uh, there's a lot of time, like the role of violence in video games is so central um, in so many games, and there is so much of it and so little of anything else. Mm. Um, and and you know that, that's fine. I'm not like I'm not like I hate don't like violent games. They're fine. Shooting things in the head is fun sometimes. Um, but but you know if you if you compare video games to movies, say. Like the the number of people killed in an action video game versus an action movie um, is you know it's like multiple orders of magnitude more <laughs> in the video game probably, right? Um, uh, and 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, and, and just that, like, a lot of what happens, even in action movies, a lot of the things that happen in the story are different kinds of situations. You know, like, there, someone sneaks somewhere, someone steals a thing, someone does some research in a book, someone builds a thing. There, there's a lot of... You know, like, you know, even like, say, like a Marvel movie or something like, Mm. you know, in the end, there's going to be a, you know, a final big fight that's going to last a long time. And there's going to be some like really intense punching. Mm. Um, But but getting there, you know, there's all of these other sorts of things that happen. Yeah. And it's funny because video games have like essentially there's the the progression of, uh, you know, you have to practice doing things and like then you do that thing as the final thing so like if your final confrontation involves shooting a bunch of people then like the game building up to the final thing is essentially all going to be about shooting people um and you're supposed to you're supposed to be getting better at shooting both as a player and as a character Um, right but i was thinking about uh and i'm i'm gonna like i'm just gonna think about like a uh an arnold schwarzenegger movie like i don't know i what's the one command lies sure okay well true lies is funny because like (laughs) It's actually it's all about spies, so it's it's maybe not the best example of a Schwarzenegger movie for no. these purposes, um, but I but uh, you know something like Commando, or or something, where where he like you know there's a scene he rushes in he does the thing that he does which is like kill five or six people that that's the one that I think he's famous for having killed the most people in. Okay. Um, he has to save his daughter from. He's like, yeah. I'm an old retired army. I think I watched this on the on on the bus on a during, during a fencing trip. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I've seen I think the beginning and the end of it, and but but I, yeah, I'm not sure I was awake for for all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but like like in the the like pure action movie, like it's a series that that like more lines up with a video game than than like True Lies, where it's like. Mostly it's a spy thing, and then it goes wrong, something goes wrong, and then you're, like, running away and also shooting a bunch of people at the same time, um, as opposed to some of the, uh, and then, so, like, the, the violence is, something went wrong, it's violence time, as opposed to the goal of this thing is to do as many violence sections as you possibly can. Right. I'm, I'm reminded of, um, have you played or seen the game Gunpoint? Uh, I've, um, yes. I've not played it. I have seen it. By the guy who did that space game that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're doing great. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, I, I know what you mean. Um, um, I think I maybe bought Gunpoint on Steam, but I, it might not run on a Mac, so I might not have played it. Yeah, I have, I haven't played it. I've, I've seen it played, mm-hmm. um, and I heard an interview with the developer, and and he said that the the game was named Gunpoint because he, he had, the vision for the game was that in movies when someone draws a gun and has it pointed at someone it is like frequently you know a major event mm. and it is like a sudden and like distinct change in everything that's happening like you know someone grabs grabs someone grabs a pulls a gun out and then everything that was going on has to stop and the problem the thing that is now being addressed is the fact that someone is being held at gunpoint hmm. um and and he, he said that what he that was the feeling he wanted to capture in okay. that game was the idea that you know, uh, violence would would be a, a singular a singular thing that happened, and when it happened, it would like it might not be a catastrophe. It, it might might be a catastrophe, but it would be like a major change. Um, 
Yeah, that um, and I really wanted to play that game. I I want to say I saw he did a GDC talk or something. I forget exactly where I heard about Gunpoint, but I wanted to play it as soon as I saw the thing, whatever piece of media it was. It was assuredly on YouTube, um, and so I um, it and I I know that like the whole thing was uh that you cannot have a gun in it or you couldn't at first, and then later he added a gun. But it only had five bullets, and you essentially immediately lost if you fired it. Mm-hmm. Um, or it drew everyone's attention, and you had, like, ten seconds left to escape if ever you fired it. Um, and it was, like... Uh, and I think, I think like, enemy sh- an enemy shooting you is, like, instantly lethal, and you lose. So, like, it, it's, like, really more serious to be shot in or to shoot in that game than most games treat that that action heat signature oh yeah 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 is the space game which i want to play at some point but yeah I'm... i also wanted to play that i but they're both two games that i have long people meaning to play but i have not done so yeah um well i do think that we've been talking for quite a long time now which usually signifies that it's we should wrap up this episode yeah. um, um I, there's there's more to talk about in this realm of violence and as it end games versus non-violence or the impact of violence yeah and and the like just the the range of you know kinds of things that can happen um i don't know there's just like something that i guess what, what, what a lot of what appeals to me in your description of death stranding is that someone has attempted to make a game where walking is mechanically interesting um where like trudging across the wasteland which is something that you know in movies is very frequently a major thing that is happening, right? Like mm. you know, Lord of the Rings is like people walking. <laughs> like a lot of it is like dramatic music playing while people are walking. Um, yeah, for but, for but, some of them anyway. Yeah, sure. Um, but like in general, that's that's a big aspect of of your epic quest that is traditionally boring in games. <laughs> right or um and and they this this game is really interesting because it makes it so it is neither easy nor particularly safe so it is it is a challenge to walk from one place to the other um and almost every uh there, there's there's more about this game that i'd i'd like to talk about like uh the missions which um i didn't really like what you're doing isn't just reconnecting you have other missions and stuff um also i haven't yet talked about guillermo del toro who uh is in this game okay um we'll talk about that more next time (laughs) okay um i just want to say on the topic of the postman Mm -hmm. um that you know a couple years ago uh i went on a road trip um with you know, uh, my, my, my partner Katie and our friends Rob and Vera, and we went to Deadwood, South Dakota, hmm. and we were looking for a place to eat in Deadwood, South Dakota. And it's hard to find a place to eat in Deadwood, South Dakota, because everything is a gambling establishment. Um, <laughs> oh. And so if you go into anywhere on the first floor, it's all like slot machines and you're confused. And then you realize that like all the restaurants do exist. They just have slot machines in front oh. and you just have to walk past the slot machines to find the, find the actual restaurant. Huh. Um, and so, but we, we were trying to find a place that was open and seemed like it would serve food. And so we walked into this bar and we went upstairs and it was just filled with like movie memorabilia. Hmm. And we were like, this is kind of weird. And then... We looked more closely, and it was all Kevin Costner movie memorabilia. <laughs> okay. And it was just like, and and so 
So, among other things, um, I got us the table next to the postman outfit uh, uniform. Nice. Um, so, so we, we sat and ate there. But it turned out that this bar was filled with Kevin Costner memorabilia because it was Kevin Costner's bar. <laughs> nice. Um, that he had bought. Uh, it was like going out of business and he liked it, so he bought it. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, um, all of respect to Kevin Costner, he has made more better films than I ever will. Um, there is something that is like delightful about the idea that Kevin Costner would buy a bar and be like, what is this bar missing? It's missing Kevin Costner. <laughs> He, he was assuredly right. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put more of me in this bar, and that's what's gonna make it make it work. Yeah, I, and and it's funny because I so I think that some of the history of of the movie The Postman is that he had recently made Dances with Wolves, which mm-hmm. uh, among other things was pretty well received at the time. Um, however, it aged, and like I know it has its own sets of problems going on, but like. It, it either won best picture or was nominated I can't remember for that for that year um but he had he had already he had been like kind of a big deal and then he's like fine I'll get to make uh so so basically they're like oh you made this successful thing we'll give you a bigger budget to make this the postman um and then it did terribly um also isn't very good and then they sort of stopped giving Kevin Costner money for <laughs> for making movies <laughs> but it's not to say that he is not capable of doing good work uh but he definitely didn't really on on, on this case and i don't know how was the food it was good it was, you know got a burger got some beer nice <laughs> i would re- i would absolutely recommend going to the Kevin Costner bar if you are you know in in Deadwood uh, cool. Um, and whatever, whatever film you have, uh, you know, strange, whatever Kevin Costner film you have a strange fascination with, you can probably sit next to something from from that film. So. Nice. Yeah, Field of Dreams is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. And on that recommendation, I think we should call it a wrap. Yeah. Um. And 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 we'll probably have more to talk about about probably both the postman and death stranding in the future because i i know i forgot things and i'll play more of it and maybe have more thoughts about it um but that's like the kind of the game that i've been playing the most of right now um and we'll talk about it more yeah i want to in the future want to talk about final fantasy 7 which i've been playing too so oh yeah and there's a the final fantasy 7 remake remake is coming out and that's not what you're playing right now that's correct i'm playing the original right so i was gonna play the remake which i think was not out the last time i looked and it might be out now it's out now because i've seen it on the media okay various things yeah yeah i want to talk about final fantasy 7 we'll talk about that later yeah play the remake remake and we can compare some notes yeah and we can recount all of the final fantasies we've played again (laughs) (laughs) all right but not today not today (laughs) (laughs) i'm bryce i'm will and this has been side quests see you next time bye bye